In association with the Omniverse Comics Guide, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from all over the world. I am your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 287. Adam Chapman from the Comic Shenanigans. Welcome back to the Cave of Solitude as we uh, we skipped a month of our book of the month just by a bit. Our scheduling was just off, but we're we're here for June. And maybe we're here for June. That's yeah, right. maybe we're gonna have to double up one of these months to make up for that. I wanna I want us to have at least a month each each month the book of the month club. We gotta do it. I'm in. Oh no, I, I think it's great. Uh, yeah, so thanks so much for having me back. Um, I guess I should say um, you know, soon you'll be able to say um, Adam Chapman of the late comic shenanigans as it's <laughs> coming to an end soon. So as we speak, we're recording this in June. The show's ending on August the 12th, um, the exact 10th anniversary of the first episode going up. Uh, we're going to have our 1,000th episode going up. So I'm hoping, I'm, I mean, I haven't asked you formally, but I'm guessing you'll be on that last oh, yeah. episode. I have to okay. be. Come on. Come on. I mean, I'm the series finale. I'm, I'm hoping to have a segment with you, of course, with Curtis Finley. I've, I always like having him on the show. I'm hoping that... Um, uh, uh, Dan Gavazdin of the Spider Talk podcast will come back. Uh, some people who've been on the show in the past, like Nathan Strzok, Paul Scores, uh, they'll be back on the show. I'm assuming, I haven't actually put anything together, but I'm assuming this will happen. Um, part of me, even though I kind of already had his last episode, uh, is maybe I can reach out to Ron Friends and just get like 10 minutes. But in 10 minutes of Ron Friends, we'll go an hour. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, you know, part of me is like, you know what? I've had such a good rapport. He's been on nine times. I feel like I should go for 10 and let him be on the 1,000th so I can say that he's been on 1% of the episodes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, so the, the show is reaching its conclusion <laughs> soon. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you always having me on and being so kind. Of course. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and just, just so you know, I mean, we haven't officially made any sort of formal announcements, but um, me and Dave are expanding a little bit. Okay. And whatever the expansion will be, I'm, you're going to be a, a resource that I'm going to go to. And the comic shenanigans, I want it to live on in some capacity because you okay. had very good conversations with some of the greatest creators of all time who no longer do podcasts. That That's often. true. So the conversations you've had and, and not to be um, – what's the word? Like have too much sorrow, but there's even been a couple of people who you've spoken to who – not soon after passed away and it's like oh man you just got that guy that's incredible that we kind of heard maybe his last podcast that's yeah that's been really sad but but like gratifying is like when norm brayfogel died when justin ponzer died which i think shocked Crazy. a lot of people um i was so thankful that i got to sit down and talk with these gentlemen like and that it's, it's funny i just recorded an episode the other day which will either be episode 982 and 984 of my podcast and i was uh, it was with the editor of back issue magazine and we were talking a little bit about you know he, he the purview of his magazine really is the bronze age of comics and it's becoming harder and harder you know those creators are dying now like you have some are dying younger than you'd like like george perez and others you know much older like neil adams and they had such a huge impact on that area of the industry so you know them talking about the Bronze Age of comics. He started this his magazine 20 years ago. The Bronze Age wasn't that long ago. Um, but now, you know, you're talking about books in the 70s. Those books are 40 years old, if not more. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, 40, we're we're almost old. 40 years old, right? Like, geez. Don't don't say it. I mean, it's happening soon. I'm turning 40 <laughs> at the end of 2023. But, 
but yeah, no, it's true. So being able to talk with some of these people is huge. But yeah, it's really sad when they pass away. But also nice that you got to share a moment with them in time yeah. um, to talk about. And that's the big thing I talked about with this man, Michael Yuri, as well, is that, you know, in the comic book industry, so different than other industries, you can actually, you know, go to a convention, you can see these people and you can tell them how much your work meant to them. Uh, their work meant to you, I mean. And, um, you know, and, and, and they appreciate that. And they don't always hear that because, you know, some of these artists, they work very solo. They're, you know, they're working in their on their drafting table in their basement or in their studio. And they don't really get a lot of people telling them about the work and what it meant to them. So being able to talk to these people and tell them what it, in some small way, what how their work, uh, you know, changed something for you or meant something has been immensely gratifying. Yeah. And speaking of people that you've, had the opportunity to talk to that I've always wanted to talk comic books with is Mark Wade. Yes. Right. Segwaying yes. into our topic for today, probably one of his most celebrated runs in comics is what he did with the Flash, Wally West. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you pick Terminal Velocity? Um, you know, I I think when I first ever read a lot of Mark Wade's Flash, I will say I think I did it through illegal means in the early two thousands. <laughs> Back when you know bit torrenting was new and exciting, and suddenly yeah. people were scanning all their old comics. And this is again the time when there were no collected editions, or at least there weren't many. Uh, there were maybe one or two for Flash, but there wasn't much. Um, and then really, only option to read these issues was to find the singles. Um, nowadays, obviously, you have DC Infinite. Like you have no excuse these days. You have you know the the Flash by Mark Wade collections. You have an upcoming omnibus run. Um, you have all these different options to do these things legally. Um, in the right way but in the back in the day that wasn't the case so i remember uh, reading a lot of flash like finding like you know flash issue i think one to 194 was the newest at the time so this was kind of early to mid 2000s uh jeff johns hadn't written flash for too long yet and i remember just reading a ton of flash and just really enjoying it but i remember specifically uh, mark wade had a few uh, major multi-park storylines that he did during his run now obviously the more well-known ones are the flash year kid flash year one um, and the return of Barry Allen. Those are two of the, the kind of the most celebrated ones. Uh, but then you had Terminal Velocity, Chain Lightning, and a couple others. And so I was kind of, when we were talking before, I was kind of like, well, what character is a Nightwing or is a Flash? And I always liked Flash. And so when we kind of said it's going to be Flash, and then obviously um, because you know we're students of the last three decades of comics, we were like, okay, is it Mark Wade or is it Jeff Johns? Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, if we go chronologically, it should be Mark Wade. And I think in a lot of ways he he brought more to the mythos. Um, although, I mean, for better or for worse, Jeff Johns brought the idea of Barry Allen's uh, mom uh, getting murdered when he was a kid. So thanks, Jeff. Um, not my favorite part of the mythos because that didn't exist before. Yeah. Uh, before we changed it. Um, but Mark Wade brought the Speed Force. He brought the Speed Force. He brought really made Max Mer- Mercury into a, a real character. He made Impulse. So I'm like, well, that's pretty huge. And so not only can we talk about some of his work on The Flash, we talk about literally the storyline that births um, or the couple of issues right before uh, Terminal Velocity birth uh, impulse into the world and really bring forth the idea of the Speed Force. So it's it's crazy that more people don't talk about it, but it's so influential in terms of what it brought into the universe. Yeah, I've at, I've heard a lot about just the term Terminal Velocity in relation to the Flash. You've seen you know iconic covers for it. Um, it was one of those trades that they did collect before they would do a whole series. They had that one out there. And um, I remember, it's a weird, this is a weird tangent. For those following along, uh, the issues that we read for this Book of the Month Club were issues 92 through to 100, including the issue zero. That's right. So about, what was that, 10 issues? You're the math guy. 
I mean, I, I, you said 92 <laughs> to 100? That's like 9. Yeah, plus issue zero. Plus zero so yeah, so 10, 10 okay, issues, yeah. right? Um, I remember a lot of the, the imagery from this storyline being in a Wizard magazine of a Flash casting call. Remember when they used to oh. do the casting calls for Wizard? Oh, yeah. And I always remember Lisa Kudrow being cast as uh, Jesse Quick. I'm like, <laughs> that's not that bad, would work. Actually. It was, yeah. Now, so every time I see that picture of Jesse Quick, I always think of what could have been. And it was always Eric Stoltz as um, as the Flash, Wally West. That's not, that's not bad either. Yeah, it was, it was actually a really well done uh, casting call that they did. Sometimes they were like really off, but this one was pretty spot on for the time. But um, yeah, you always hear people when they talk about the Flash, it comes down to Mark Wade and Jeff Johns. But I think, I think, and I could be wrong, I can't speak for everybody, but definitively for most of us, the Flash is not Barry Allen. It's Wally West. I mean, that's true if if you started reading comics after 1986, right? I mean, true. Grew, it means you grew up with Wally. But anything about the Flash that we like, anything that they put on TV, it's really Wally West stories. Like, people have been kind of, they've been fooled. They think Barry Allen is the character. It isn't. Even the way they, they write him, he's more Wally West. Um, I would say more... Yeah, more often than not, that ends up being true. I mean, not always, um, mm-hmm. but like, well, like in Smallville, we definitely got we got a more impulsy, you know, yeah. Wally version of, of Barry for sure. Um, I mean, the version on the CW show, I would say, it, it's an interesting cross pollination. He doesn't have the uh, impetuousness of the Wally in no. the same way, but he's not quite Barry either because no. he's too young to be the the Barry we think of. The Barry we think of is very square jawed. For, you know, late 30s or like mid to late 30s, um, just having a certain air of, of dignity. But part of that is that we're also reading, we're used to thinking about Barry through Wally's eyes. Yes. If you think about it, like many of the times you knew anything about Barry for 20 years was what you read in Wally's interpretation of Barry's adventures because most people weren't going back and reading those old Flash issues. They were reading new issues and learning more about Barry as a result. And I was always excited when Barry showed up. I always thought it was cool. I always liked the idea of him. I did not like the idea of him coming back necessarily. I thought it no. was not something I, I loved. I think they've done some really great stories here and there since he's been back, to be fair. Joshua Williamson had a really long run that was entertaining. But I, I, I guess the problem is the Wally problem. The Wally existed as an adult now, and they had to get rid of him for many years. And then he came back and made it all more confusing. But the problem was that Barry needed to be an elder statesman, or at least older than Wally. And when he came back, they kind of made him younger and like really sexified Iris. And I'm like, she was like a grandmother for years. And suddenly she was like hot and single again, or hot and with Barry again. But And this is pre-New 52. It just didn't feel right. And so I feel like the problem has been that the, the people liked the idea of Barry. They brought him back, but I don't think anyone wanted it. And, you know, whereas when Hal, when Hal Jordan was brought back, People did want it. Now, a lot of people liked Kyle, too. But there was a very vocal, um, you know, segment of the population that really wanted Hal Jordan back. And that's why they kept not being able to get rid of Hal. But I don't think anyone felt that way about Barry. No. I think, I think everyone was okay. I think because it was it was a reverse situation where the loss of Barry made his character mean more. And then mm. the loss of Hal the way he was lost is like don't do that to him like don't make him go out that way because we yeah. that that so i think people were happy that they corrected a wrong whereas with yeah. the barry situation it's like you kind of are ruining something that 
like his his death meant something and what becomes of his legacy is even more because of who he trained like it it's the one time where we like if you were to read this book we're not even talking about it yet but if you were to read this run of the flash either the mark wade or jeff john's first run on the flash and you say that ah, wally west this isn't this isn't who i know it is who you know like you can read that and mm-hmm. get the flash that you're expecting oh for sure it's interesting too as you said like you know um Barry Allen died a saint. And yes. Hal Jordan died a sinner. And That's that right. Was what didn't work for people. Right. And yeah, you had Barry go out on top. No one was ever. I, I'm sure there were some people who were bummed out that Barry Allen died, but at least they could. They they weren't upset that he was ruined. And there's right. a big difference there, right? Whereas, you know, they wanted to shake things up with Green Lantern, and they did, um, but at the expense of who Hal Jordan was as a character. He didn't go out on top. He went out on the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I think then that's obviously what kind of really didn't work for people. Um, but yeah, whereas here we got something completely different. And so, yeah, so I picked this for those, I guess, for those reasons that this is an extremely impactful run. It's fun um, for the most part, even though it's relatively serious for The Flash. Uh, I say that that's within true. context because it's still relatively light. Um, int- you know, really interesting artwork throughout. Yeah. Um, very different styles, uh, jumping in and out. I guess that'd be the only issue is that at times there's a bit of inconsistency from issue to issue in terms of the art. Uh, but it's you know you have Mark Wade leading it all through. But um, you know the the name you don't see on the title, which really should be if you ever speak to him, is it really should be the Flash by Mark Wade and Brian Augustine. because in a lot of ways, uh, and again, if you ever speak with Mark, he would say this. Uh, this book is a result of the two of them working so well together. He was the editor on the book. Um, there were times when Mark would be the editor on different books and Brian would be the writer. They would kind of take turns uh, in, in different projects they worked on over the years. They were collaborators, you know, very good friends. Unfortunately, Brian Augustine has now passed away, sadly. Uh, that's another one who I've had a chance to speak to multiple times who unfortunately has now passed. Um, but again, I feel like in, some, in a lot of ways, his name should be on. It should be bright, uh, front and center, because um, you know he's a big part of this as well. Yeah, I, I've heard that as from from both of them, uh, as you said. I think maybe even from your show, but it's true. They they were such good. Even with the uh, Justice League, uh, year one, the JLA, right? There's right. a lot of that. You can see that uh, collaboration involved, and it kind of shows. If you've read that and you've read the Flash, you can see kind of the, that similarity. Um, this, like you said, it's a very impactful story. You've got the first appearance of Impulse. So we're going to head into some spoiler ter- territory without completely telling you the story. But It's, it's been f- almost 30 years, though. I think it's okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> first appearance of Bart Allen, Impulse, which is huge, huge character. Um, the Speed Force is officially named because I think they make reference to the Speed Force in the Return of Barry Allen story. Is that is that what it was called? Yeah, it was called the Return of Barry Allen. I don't think they made mention of it there, though. They they refer to something. They don't call it the Speed Force. This is the first time that it's officially like christened. Yes. So for sure. I think it was uh, Johnny Quick who had explained like the fourth dimension of when you go this fast with the speed formula, you can mm. you know connect to something, and it's okay. and then this is now it's brought back and officially you know Wally touches it, if you will. So this is the Speed Force, I think, in the DC Universe. I'm not sure of a, I don't know if a a bigger MacGuffin is the word, or even just like an entity within that universe that has such a consequential effect Mm. when it's time to use it. 
I don't know what's in the Marvel universe that's like that. Uh, I'd have to think, but you're right. I mean, you know? if you think about like it, it's really interesting, right? Because if you read this, every story after every Flash story that comes after this uses the Speed Force in some way, right? Like, like I don't think there's an issue that goes by that they don't in some way mention it. Um, it becomes an integral part of the character and 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 the discussion of where the power comes from. Um, more than any other right and so it's really that's why it's so crazy impactful from that perspective um that you know you i can't think of many modern things that get introduced that fundamentally change how a character is perceived forever and in such a way that you know it's almost like you can't think of the flash of the speed force like those those two things just go together like milk and honey but there was a time when they did not go together they did not exist um so which is again so fascinating that mark wade was really able to birth into him and brian augustine were able to birth into an existence something that becomes a bedrock of the flash character and yeah. if you think about it the, the flash as a concept had been around since the 40s and yet somehow this revolutionized it and really i think for a lot of people probably made it easier you're right it's kind of a MacGuffin at times or it's this you know deus ex machina they can just kind of use it to be anything and everything it needs it to, they need it to be but it allows it to also kind of bind things together for the Flash. And even, um, I, I don't think it's in the trades, but uh, I was reading issue 100 on the DC Infinite app, and I guess there were some original um, essays by Mark Wade in the back, and he kind of talks about the genesis of the Speed Force and that storyline, and the idea that you know they had all these disparate speedsters, um, but there was no commonality between them. And so this was a way to bring all the speedsters together and say that, you know, all their power came from a united, united source. They may have come at it from different ways, but there was a, you know, kind of an internal reservoir. That, again, was not a, not a thing. You had these characters, one who had a speed formula, one who inhaled hard water, you know, two others who had a, you know, a billion to two chance of being struck by lightning. Like, you had all these weird different ways of getting the same power. This was now a way to unify it. Yeah, it, and that's one of the things that, when you finish the story and when you look back on it, this is the bur like the official. I said this already, christening, but like the Flash family now is united. Mm -hmm. They're there. They're together. You can name them all. You you know that they're, like you said, their source of power. There's a, they've been chosen in a way to be together to help each other, because they can access something that is it called out to them in a way, even though that. The way that they get the speed force power, the way they get their speed is so different. Like the mm. math formula thing just seems ridiculous. Do you know what it is, the math formula? I can't remember what the exact uh, is. Do, do you? No. I, I was looking for it as I was flipping back through the book. And I'm like, where is it? I see it all the time. And I'm, I'm like, I got to memorize that just to be like that extra nerd. But said Chapman knows for sure. He seems like a oh. guy who would... Who would know that, that is formula. not something I sat down in my <laughs> dorm room and just kept chanting to myself, um, <laughs> hoping to activate my latent speed force power. Um, I'm trying to find it. I don't. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, you're right. It's everywhere, but also nowhere. Right. Right. And and it feels too like it. Uh, this is all imaginary and you know, fictional bullshit stuff. But when you look back at mythologies, just in. Uh, Greek mythology, Roman, Norse, whatever it is, there's these enduring ideas where they become so powerful, whether they were real or not, we name the days of the week after them. Mm -hmm. And with something like the Flash and the Speed Force, it may seem like very inconsequential because it's just silly comic book stuff, but the way they describe what they see there, or what they tap into in this fourth dimensional thing, it, it sounds like a psychedelic trip. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's these different forms of these characters attaining enlightenment. Yeah. And it seems like somehow these these writers, these adults writing these stories for kids are telling them something deeper in a way that they maybe couldn't express in what in another form of media. It's like if I'm going to tell my stories through if I'm a comic book writer and I got something big to say, how can I make it digestible for kids? But it's actually kind of deep. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's if I'm going too much into it, but it's when he describes coming back from the Speed Force to to Linda like that's yeah. that sounds beautiful oh yeah well it is i guess i mean especially how we built it up as being connected to you know um you know the native tribes right right, and right. of max mercury and the, the shaman idea of trying, uh, him trying to attain that level of attainment and never quite getting there um it, uh, it builds up this idea this this concept of again like enlightenment for a speedster is to reach the speed force um to find this thing um, now the formula, I did find it. Ooh. It's uh, three times two, and then in brackets nine y z bracket four a, and then I guess three times two, and I guess that's it. And so, what does it equal? You're the math nothing. guy. <laughs> well, there's y's and z's in there. I don't know what it means. <laughs> I always, I'm like, why do they need? Why would you want to do math? I go, if that's what I had to do to be part of the Flash family, I would <laughs> fail so quick because I was not good in high school, like algebra and stuff. I said, man, I would suck. As I'd be the sloth. But it looks cool. That's why. It, yeah, you're right. It does look cool with the Ys and the Zs. It kind of does look like a there's some sort of lightning expression just in the way that it's written. Yeah. Um, the Wally and Linda love story. Like, as I'm as I'm going through it, I'm thinking to myself, maybe Chapman likes this story because it's is Wally West was he your DC Peter Parker? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I guess so. I mean, I think he was definitely a character I really enjoyed reading about in a way that was more so than Kyle. Like again, when I really started um, reading DC comics, would have been like early two thousands, uh, and I like Batman, Superman, just fine. But yeah, there just was something about Wally. Um, his characterization. I, I definitely gravitated gravitated to him, Kyle, and Dick um, Nightwing. I should say um, those are the, <laughs> those, those those are the characters I was enjoying the hmm. most. Um, but yeah, in terms of the love story, I, it's interesting when you go back when you go back and read from like issue one. You know, for a long time, Wally just kind of drifted from relationship to relationship. Uh, the writers really didn't know how to write him. I would feel like. Th- the writing on him really picked up once Linda was brought in and they kind of gave him someone who he was serious about. And also I think, you know, Mark Wade just kind of figured out how he wanted to write the character where he wanted him to go. And so I really, I, I buy into their love story I, because I feel like, especially if you go back and read issues, you know, one to 100, uh, you feel like it's more earned. Like he finally met someone who actually understands him and wants to. And she, I mean, as you see here, she's not your typical you know, blushing damsel. She picking up laser guns and going crazy and taking the fight to Cobra. Like this is a very comic booky stuff, yeah. but also very enjoyable stuff. And if you're and if you're a kid and kind of you know the power fantasy of being a superhero character, you know you're probably wanting a, you know a cool a cool female foil and not a lame one, right. uh, one who can kick ass and you know, take names. And I do like how it really showed that with here. And even 
I liked uh, some of the camaraderie with her and Iris because they're both newspaper reporters. Right. Um, so they're both reporters have the similar background and they can kind of get along together. And so there's just something really nice about her fitting seamlessly into the, the grander Flash family as a result. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, why don't we ex explain a little bit of the plot here? Because there's a lot of moving pieces. I feel that the main plot is is a device in order to really get these characters to be built up. I don't know if the main plot is as, you know, epic as we, you know, expect it to be in this story that is so mm -hmm. hailed as, like, one of the best Flash stories. Oh, 100%. Like, if you were like, okay, issue 100, this is a really big deal. We're going to have the, you know, Speed Force. We're going to have this climactic moment with, you know, Wally's going to go to the Speed Force and come back because of his love for his lightning rod is, is you know, is Linda Park. Um, who's the villain going to be? Cobra. What? Like, this is not a Flash villain. Like, this isn't... It's interesting, right? Because if you go 100 issues later and you have a new Zoom and it's exciting and that character means something and is emotional and connected to the main character and sticks around for a few years and is really impactful with the Hunter Zolomon version of the Reverse Flash, that's awesome. And then you have something like here and it's a, a villain that has nothing to do with the main character, could literally have been almost anyone else. Um, even Cobra could have fought anyone else. Like, there's nothing about Cobra that said it had to be a Flash villain, had to be a Flash storyline. That being said, the storyline still works because, yeah. as you said, it's about the characters and what the characters are putting themselves through. Uh, you get to see, you know, Wally dealing with first of all being honest with people um, when something scares him. He sees a vision of the future instead of telling people he's so terrified that he's not really letting people in. So he's trying to he's learning something about being able to be honest with people uh, and be honest about what he saw and what what he saw, and what it means. So there's a lot of personal growth, even though I would say in a lot of ways, the the action of the villains are almost secondary to the uh, like the, the plot itself is almost secondary to what the characters themselves are putting themselves through. Yeah, it's like, like a background was, story in a way. It kind of, yeah. Like, and, and I like how early it starts, and that's why we started earlier than just starting at the beginning of the fourth volume of the trade paperback, because you get that first occurrence of impulse. You get Cobra's there right from the beginning, like right from those issues. They're kind of you know lurking around on the yeah. sides. They never really become, like I never really felt like they were a big threat per se. It was more like they had this MacGuffin, this, you know, this machine that's going to do something. It's going to, you know, cause these tremors and earthquakes. But besides that, like, I don't know if I really took them that seriously as a threat, but it was it was almost more that Flash himself was a threat to himself. He was going to lose himself because he was going to try and save someone. It was going to push himself too far and he was going to disappear. So the stakes were real, but less because of the villain per se and more because of what the Speed Force was luring wally to do does that make sense yeah no that's i think that's a really great way of of summarizing it without giving away all of the story points and and moments where you flip a page and be like "Ooh, that's cool but yeah it's exactly what it was because and i appreciate i wanted to say this to you um your recommendation to start at issue 92 because i feel you there's no way to read when i opened up the fourth trade and i'm like i wouldn't have appreciated any of the significance of this story had i not known that two issues ago impulse had sh just shown up mm. in this world and this is a really new fresh idea fresh character it isn't you know at the time it's not the character that we look back on and remember with rose-colored glasses or you know mm. it being one of our favorite characters perhaps for some people right 
this is a carry. It's like, is this going to even take off? Are they going to stick around? So if you read it through those that lens and then realize like, man, this became a pretty significant story. Reading issue 92 through 94 really um, lays the groundwork of why Linda is so involved and oh, why the sure. Flash is is so intent. It's It's almost one of the best ways to tackle a character when you make the hero who's always supposed to fight for the greater good become so obsessed with losing the one they love. Like when mm. Superman breaks his own rules in order to save Lois or when the Flash is willing to risk it all or not even care to save it all because Linda won't exist. It's like these are really interesting character study points. Which and, and it was Flash that's pre-existing because with Barry killed the Reverse Flash because you know uh, Reverse Flash killed his wife and then was about to kill his about to be his second wife and so he snapped his neck like so there's there is a connection there with the Flash being able to, you know pushing themselves and doing something that's you know not typical heroics per se but yeah there's just it's interesting too that. Yeah, you can't just jump into this without those issues. Those issues do mean so much. It is interesting to look at a character like Impulse, though, uh, and tell me if this kind of bugged you a little bit, is that that character, so much of that design is really more about Humberto Ramos and what Humberto Ramos does in the Impulse book. Because when you look at uh, Impulse here, he doesn't have the hair you're expecting. He doesn't have, he he, he actually looks too old. Um, He doesn't, like, he acts young, but he looks a little older than what he's acting. He's acting like, what you expect especially there's like a scene where he's motoring like around the room and he's asked he's like i'm bored i want to do this i want to do that but the physicality of the character looks too old too mature it's when you have humberto ramos kind of not de-aging him per se but making him look more like a kid in the impulse book where it, he really becomes the one you see in young justice the, the 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 kid with the crazy hair who's you know just looks way over his head and stuff and this rambunctious child whereas i would say the art here makes him look a lot older yeah he looks like he might be in the teen titans of like late teen titans as opposed to uh you know being friends with with robin uh tim drake because i always felt tim drake looked a little bit younger and it's strange because it was the same artist who kind of was known for drawing them between tom grummet and Mm -hmm. he did superboy and he did Tim Drake, but I always felt Tim Drake looked about 13, 14. Like, I bought it, and I saw uh, Connor Kent, the character that becomes Connor Kent. He looked just a little older, like maybe 17 years old. That's true. Well, it's interesting. In a strange way. Yeah, no, I get you. It's interesting. If you go back and read, like, the first appearances, however, um, you see uh, of, sorry, of uh, Tim Drake. He looks pretty old by Tom Lyle. Like, he does not look... They, they de-age him later. Like, I yeah, think yeah, that's as true. characters go on, they're like, wait a minute. We mm-hmm. kind of made them look too old. Um, one thing I noticed as going through this um, is that issue 100... So, on I, I had only ever known one cover for this issue, which is the cover that says The Quick and the Dead. Um, and it has, like, a holographic... Hologram, yes. Uh, uh, that's letter. the one I know, too. So, when they had this other cover, both in the trade and on the app, I was like, what? What is this? I've never seen this cover before in my life, but it's like an issue 100. How do I not know this? Um, because like the other one doesn't even say it's part of Terminal Velocity. Like, well, I guess it says it's the finale up at the top, but it doesn't have the dial that you had throughout you know, every true. other issue. So it's an interesting cover to see because I just, yeah, I, I've just never seen it before. Yeah, you're right. I've never seen this cover myself. Which do you prefer? Oh, I, I prefer the one I knew. Yeah, I agree. 
It just, well, I think it just looks more startling. Like it takes your, again, the idea of a proper cover is if you're on a crowded newsstand, what's going to draw your eye? Well, that draws my eye. Especially when it glistens. It, well, yes. Besides the glistening, it, even if it was matte, <laughs> yeah, it still, it still works. Those, yeah, it still has like the, the black and then you have the letters on top. Like it just looks really, yeah, it just kind of jumps off the page. Um, in terms of artwork, did you know that Carlos Pacheco was a Flash artist? I did not. I was actually quite interested, and I I enjoyed reading the credits for this because I knew Rowingo and Wade had worked together on Fantastic Four and The Flash. I wasn't sure if which portion of The Flash he had worked on because I don't think I had gotten to that when I was reading through these trades. I haven't gotten to this point yet. I skipped a couple, but he was perfect for this book, for this character, for the type of humor, but also with the... Um, emotional aspect to it he's just the right artist for it but then i really like that laroca was getting to tell that terminal velocity story because it gave, he had that energy the right i don't know electric sort of thing to his pencil that was right for that story but yeah carlos pachenko i was i was like oh wow i didn't expect him to be here but then again i wouldn't have known where he started yeah it's interesting right because like, I, I love looking at where artists start. So yeah. I'm going to use a different example that's not related to Flash for a second. But uh, today I got the Thunderbolts Omnibus Volume 2 in the mail. Nice. I was really excited about it. Um, I, I had forgotten it was coming out. Um, I partly really wanted it because now that they've confirmed Volume 3 is coming out, I'm like, well, I have to get Volume 2. I do have. I bought, I bought Volume 1 last year, but then I wasn't sure if it was the right call. Uh, but now that I know that they're going to continue with Volume 3, it was absolutely the right call. So Volume 2 yeah. comes, and I was flipping through it, and I was like, man, I love Patrick Serker. Like, Patrick Zerker's artwork is so good, but it's so different now, and not in a bad way. I still enjoy him a lot, but there's just something about his original artwork because he was coming after Mark Bagley, so maybe he was very influenced by Mark Bagley's style. And so he had that style, but it was, like, a little rougher, but in a good way, and I remember just loving it. And so it's interesting when you see these these artists who mature over time, like a big one is LaRocca, right? Because mm-hmm. LaRocca, his artwork here, and then you look at him on, like, Extreme X-Men – you look at him on Invincible Iron Man. You look at him on the Star Wars books. Very and those different. are like different guys. Yeah, like, you're right. His artwork becomes very different. Um, I would say probably peak LaRocca for me is probably Extreme X-Men because um, uh, Liquid was coloring directly from his pencils. Um, and so at times it almost looked a little, well, I want to say washed out because I don't think they perfected the technique yet. Um, but there's just something really special about it. But this is really good stuff too. And even Pacheco, like this is very early Pacheco, um, but it's very clear storytelling like you know what's happening uh the the character work is pretty simple um again there's a lot of emotion and acting that they're putting these characters through because there's a lot of anguish there's a lot of like yelling at the yelling at the skies and there's a lot of like wally look grimacing and and just really pushing himself and i think it really achieved it and some pages which you know were really uh solid i'm just looking right here um what issue was this i want to say it was the issue before 100 so i guess this was 99 um, there's a shot of um, Impulse when he's like, the Flash lives on. And it's like a full splash page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that page just looks awesome. Like, there's just something about it. It's just the right amount of cartooning. Um, you know, Zach was joking. He was, he was watching me flip through some of these issues. And he was like, oh, man, Impulse has a, has a six-pack. I'm like, I think he's got an eight-pack in some of these. <laughs> um, but, like, there's just something about that that one page because the speed lines are just right. You can you can get a good sense of how fast this character's moving. Like, if you just looked at this one page on its own, you would know you're looking at a speedster. Um, and I like I like the power of that kind of image. Yeah, no, that one, uh, 
took my breath away as well when I was flipping through just to remind myself of the story. Because I had read this about two weeks ago. So oh, I read it today because I was like, oh, man, I, 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 last week you were like, hey, you ready to record? I'm like, I haven't read it yet. And you're like, come on, let's read this. And so today I was like, I've read a couple of the issues already, but I really got to get through it. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. And it, here's the thing, right? It moves really quickly, which, you know, is not a pun on purpose because it's a flash story. Um, but it does because, as I said, the plot, not that it's secondary, but it's a very simple plot. It's not a difficult plot to understand in terms of, you know, these evil machinations of these villains. It's pretty simple. And again, you're, you're watching what the characters put themselves through. And even the, the quote-unquote slower moments where you have... Uh, you know, the story of, of Max Mercury and kind of find out who he really is, is really well told. And it's interesting because it adds this layer, of, uh, this layer of mythology. And up until now, Flash didn't really have a lot of mythology. He had the impact of Barry on his life. He had the, the year one story, but there wasn't like a mythology. And this brought it all together. Yeah. And, and Wally West had been around for a couple years. I, I think people uh, fondly look back at William Menser Loeb's run on oh, it. as the flash yeah as oh, the that, flash, right that stuff's a lot of fun he doesn't feel like a kid though like right. if you read those issues again like he's supposed to be like 19 or 20 right and he never really feels like it like he looks older uh he never feels that young i would say he feels younger here um than he does in those stories which is not a bad thing i, I think he works best when he you know he's still a kid working things out he's becoming a man he's becoming a mentor and that's a big part of this too right is that he has to be a mentor to a kid who's so much like himself but he's not Barry, and so he's going to be a very different type of mentor he's losing his cool uh eventually obviously um what impulses mentor will be uh, max but up until this point like you know he's he's there to learn from Wally, and Wally just doesn't really want a lot to do with this. And so it's interesting to see that mesh and how they become a family. Again, you come out of this issue really having a sense of who the Flash family is, which is going to become a big part of our, the next storyline, which is the next major one, which is a little while away, but it's called Chain Lightning. Um, and that would mean you know it's all about the Flash family and timelines, and it gets a little bit crazier. Right? That's one thing I'll say. This is probably the end of the more street levelish Flash that Mark Wade does. And it goes really crazy later. Where would you, where would you, uh, if you had to score this story for yourself, where would you, what would you give it? Um, for what it means for the characters, for the importance, and for the sheer amount of fun, I'd still probably give it a good solid eight. Like, is it the most riveting story? I would say not necessarily, because as I said, the villain and villains almost feel like an afterthought. Like. Um, the whole idea is that I forget who said it, which editor said it, but I think it was maybe it was Grunold. Uh, the idea is that um, it, your story, a Flash story, should be a story that could only occur to the Flash, and that is true for most of it, except for the villain. The villain could literally be plopped into any other superhero, and I think it'd be fine. Um, but so that's what's interesting about this story. If you took out this, the villain itself, I think it still works because it's all about the character. That's, that, that's at play. I think um, I think that's the strength of it. Yeah, but the way they use the cobra, and the cobra cult, in order to establish the the need of the speed force, I thought was clever. Mm -hmm. But again, it's the character, and um, I don't know. I haven't read enough of modern day comics today. I think they try to do stuff like this, but it just seems lacking. I don't know if all the good stories have been told already, but like to bring bear to to bring. Hal Jordan, sorry, I'm getting all the names wrong. Wally West. <laughs> all of these Green Lanterns and Flashes that switch up and change places with each other. 
to bring back Wally West in this Heroes in Crisis where he's like a murderer? Is that what happens? Well, they fixed it. Who they fixed, fixed it? it? Um, was it Scott Lovdell when he revisited no, the... No, no, no. It was someone else fixed it. Um, now, now I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, no, someone else did fix it. Don't was worry. it Williamson? Joshua Williamson? No, it was after okay. that. It was the most current run of The Flash. Okay. There was a, a series where Barry... It was all about Wally. Wally ended up kind of traveling through time and universes by accident. And it was one of the jaunts. It was kind of like Quantum Leap at times. Uh, but one of the jaunts was into the heroes in crisis. And you kind of find out that he didn't actually kill people. Um, and it really was, and, you know, they had to fix it in some way. Right. Because this character was so well developed throughout the 90s, going through very extensive, like creative periods by people adding spokes to the tires, if not like completely reinventing the wheel in a way for the character mm -hmm. and to take such a beloved, I mean, I'll go on the record to say I, I enjoyed um, Francis Manipal's New 52 run. That 25 issue. It was fun. It was, it, a one and done story. Thing. You know, you can put it all in 25 issues in an omnibus and I think you get a good bang for your buck and a, and a fun reading experience. Mm -hmm. You know, but the one thing that they did ruin is that they took away Wally West. Yeah. And it's, it's just one of those things that is kind of like it's, it's an act of bad faith, I feel. To take away one of the, the most important characters of the previous generation. Maybe at the end people weren't reading it so much. I'm not sure why they why it fell off so bad that they had to completely remove him from the mythology, but it was like, what are you doing? I don't think I don't think it was anything to do with that. I think it was to do with the fact that they wanted Barry um, Allen whoever back. was in charge wanted Barry to be the Flash yeah. again. Yeah. And then the problem is you have the new fifty two. If you're going to reset everything to zero, are you gonna have him have Wale is the Kid Flash, or you know what I mean? Like, it was, I think it was going to add too many problems, to be honest. I think because they were trying to clear the decks, and we've talked about this before, but you know, Green Lantern and Batman were really the only areas of the DC that were untouched by New Fifty Two initially. Everything they got to kind of keep doing their stories and really weren't because you have Jeff Johns was doing his thing, and then on Batman you still had Damian, so they weren't really those are the ones that weren't really touched. But Superman was like raised to the ground. Like there was no like him and Lois weren't together. Um, like all that stuff was kind of taken away. So a lot yeah. of toys were taken off the table, and so unfortunately, Wally was one of the catalysts or the uh, casualties of this toys being taken off the table. I don't think it was anything anyone saying we don't like Wally. I think it, uh, uh, from a publishing standpoint, I think they just thought it was too problematic to keep him around, um, or otherwise you just have to start it from from the beginning again, and then that would bring up questions too. Like, well, hold on. Dick's Nightwing, but you know Wally's not this. But we don't want Wally. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That being said, they brought all these problems on themselves. It's not like someone else came up with this problem. Like they did this to themselves. But that's part of the issue. Yeah, and I feel it's the one thing that when you look at the, I look back at the New Fifty Two a little bit with a little bit more of like rose-colored glasses, seeing like you know what there were some some good things that came from it and stories that you were now able to tell that you wouldn't have been able to tell with all of the baggage from before oh, yeah. i mean i i love the superman wonder woman romance because i thought they did a good job of it like, yeah that was something you could not have done in the core continuity given the way those characters were but recasting them in a world where they didn't have that same baggage and emotional relationships with other people and letting them be together and letting you know superman at times feeling alienated and of course you know the strongest woman on earth would probably be a good person for him to lean on and someone who could understand him 
I, you know, there's a lot of good in the new 52. And I remember at the time I wrote an article about how, you know, how I learned to, to accept it. And I think at the time I was like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's for the new reader. It's for the lapsed reader. It's for someone who wants, you know, to be able to jump in on something and not feel like they're lost. And that's what they did in 1986 and it worked out great then. So they were trying to do the same thing. And so I don't fault them for that. I think no. it worked for for a limited time, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, and it got people excited. And there's, I will always feel a special way about the number fifty two, partially because of the fifty two mini series or maxi series, and also because of the new fifty two. Um, so I will always think of fifty two, just like if I see you know six sixteen, I'm going to think of, uh, <laughs> of Marvel. So you know, something about that number is always going to be special to me. Um, but yeah, so like there was a lot of good things there and I don't fault them for some of the decisions. I do fault them for some of them. Um, yeah. and I think the big thing is, you know, they, they couldn't hold to what they were doing and then they tried to reverse it. They tried to have their cake and eat it too. And then you end up with this giant soup that didn't really make a lot of sense. And I think we're still dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. Reading back on, like I reread or com- did a complete read of Jeff Johns last year and I was just like, man. This is great comics. It gets better. Like as the run goes on, it actually is the one time where wait till the end. Just keep going with it. And um, I've read chunks of Mark Wade. Do you feel? Do you feel it's a little overrated? The Mark Wade one. Mark Wade run. No, not at all. Okay. I would actually say that in some ways Jeff Johns's run is overrated. I think the last two years are gold. I would say the first two years are not. Um, I think. You know, or I don't know if it's exactly that even a, de- a delineation, but like his first few stories, you have Wonderland, you know, the, that weird yeah. Wonderland, like it's very take or miss. There's a couple issues of gold in that first couple of years because you have that great profile issue on, on Captain Cold, which is, I would say, the definitive take on Captain Cold that everyone will always point to forever. Right. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it changed how that character was perceived. And again, that's one of those kind of rare instances in modern comics where someone's able to do that so that's really special um but again there's a lot of forgettable stories in there but then you have blitz which is one of my favorite flash stories of all time because it's just so visceral um you really feel it and it's it's really it's a loss like they lose at the end like he he may have stopped the villain but he lost everything or at least he lost his his unborn children um and then you have the two years after that where you have the initial storyline where you have him kind of rediscovering as the Flash, which is take it or leave it. It's kind of slow. Um, but then after that, it's, it just feels like they are running to the finish line because you have the secret of Barry Allen. You have the you know everything about identity crisis at that time. The whole uh, way in which Wally views Barry is, is shaken, um, which is so exciting. And then you have the ramp up to the Rogue War, which, as I said last time, is probably like my favorite Flash storyline of ever of all because it's just it felt like it built on everything in the past four years before that every issue felt like he really ratcheted up the tension. It was just like, now what? Like yeah, you know, every yeah, issue yeah. felt more exciting than the last. It all, you know, ends with Barry Allen showing up on a cosmic treadmill as well as uh, Jay is <laughs> attached to like a treadmill by the two zooms and, and Wally's there having to relive the worst day of his life. It's just like, this is everything that comics can do. It's batshit crazy. And yet it's perfect. And it felt earned. So that, you got a great you know, memory to go through that whole run like that. Good for you. I read it last year and I forgot it all already. <laughs> well, I guess it's just because it meant a lot. Like yeah. it was just this, you know. And again, there was just something about that ratcheting tension. That's one thing I actually give this particular storyline we read today a lot of credit for. Is there's some great page turns, like the end of issues. The end of issues really like they have some great endings. Like 
Mark Wade knows how to pace an issue of a comic. Like you get yeah. a comic from Mark Wade, it's a complete done in like there's a complete story being had, but he's also going to leave you with a punch at the end. Yeah, and you're gonna be like, whoa, I got to come back next month. And so I never felt like when I read this that I'm like, oh, you know, I'll get to the next issue whenever. I was more like, do I have time now? Um, you know, do I have time between my calls for work because I really got to read this next issue because it was a great kind of ending. Um, so I, I, again, really enjoy this. I forgot, actually, um, I was looking at the issues that come after this. I forgot that there's a series of different kind of multi-part stories um, before Chain Lightning. And so maybe I'm forgetting which one Chain Lightning is um, because there's one that introduces Savitar, which is an awesome story. Um, it really, again, expands on the mythology of the Speed Force and what it can mean. Uh, there's one, one called, I believe, The Race Against Time. Um, anyways, there's a lot of good Flash stuff. So even if we don't, do it for your book of the month. You got to keep reading because it's so much more fun. It gets more fun from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to starting right from the beginning and going through the whole run now that everything is out and released because you're never sure if DC's going to finish when they start a series, right? But they did it with That's The true. Flash and they're doing the omnibus now, which is good. So like, keep going, keep doing that. I keep hoping we'll get the gap between Mark Wade and Messner Lobes because we got Savage Velocity, which is the first, what, 18 issues or so of the Flash book, but we still have a fair chunk that's not in trade paperback format. So I would like to have that so you could actually eventually have on your shelf everything from issue one to 225. That's pretty cool. And it's and it's a lot of good stuff too. There's not oh, everything's good. gold, but it's a good two, 225 issues of one character. You get a lot of world building, changing mm -hmm. to the entire continuity of the universe itself like they use the flash quite significantly for those chunk of time so would you recommend this to a new reader of the flash i don't think so yeah um because there's you kind of have to because there's they throw a lot of characters at you yeah so it's I think a lot you need a cursory knowledge to better understand i think a great primer on wally is just um you know his year one um you're one of kid flash um, which was, I guess, one of the earlier stories that, that uh, Mark Wade wrote for the character. Because uh, that one, I think you get a lot of who that character is, and he's looking back on his early times. I think that's a, a pretty good encapsulation. Actually, to be honest, the issue zero here wasn't bad either. Um, it was good. Because if the whole point of those zeros issues were to kind of remix or at least kind of uh, you know refresh you on a character, and this was a really nice way of doing it, I for had forgotten leading up to it um, that that's where we we saw that he gave himself the pep talk and also forgot that they had kind of led up to that two issues before. Like, I kind of liked that, you know, he was kind of building it in before we got to the issue, um, which I thought was nice. But, yeah, that's a really good primer on the character, too. Yeah, there's a lot of good moments in this book. It was, it was a good sure. pick. Good good choice, Adam. What are we doing next? Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. Um, okay, so I, I have an idea. Um, it's a very kind of... It's a character I love, but it's a very specific time period, but it's an enjoyable one. Um, do you have a lot of Nightwing? Do you own a lot of Nightwing? I had the first couple of trades from Chuck Dixon, but I I uh, traded them in. I okay. wasn't a huge fan of uh, the artist. Oh, McDaniel? I couldn't follow his art the way some people do. I just... Uh... So I wasn't going to ask about that version of him, actually. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, do, do you own Nightwing by Peter J. Tomasi? I don't. Where can ah. you get it? Where can you get it other than single issue form? Do they have trades of it? There is, I believe, a consolidated trade paperback of that. I don't know how easy it is. Oh, no, it's uh, it's out of print now. There you go. Okay. Um, I have the smaller trades of that run, so I'll have to think of something else. But that would have been a great one because it was pretty easy to jump into that uh, version of the character. 
Um, so let me think. Well, we've done two Marvels and a DC. Do we want to stick with DC? Okay. We'll do another DC, and then we'll maybe think of another company to throw in there. Yes, we should do that. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm thinking DC. Well, I like to go off the beaten path in some way. Um, do you, I mean, which Green Lanterns, what Green Lantern do you own? Do you own anything older than Jeff Johns? I have uh, Emerald Dawn, Emerald Dawn 2, Emerald Twilight. I have those. And I have things that come after Jeff Johns, like the Robert Venditti stuff. Okay. Um, well, what were you, you thinking? Know, uh, well, now I'm thinking Emerald Dawn, but it's so old. But, I mean, <laughs> well, it is. It is it is, old. it is. it is old. Yeah, sure. Uh, or Emerald Twilight. That's... Uh, that's the introduction of, of Kyle too, right? Yeah, it's Emerald Twilight New Dawn. It's like I have the old trade of it, not the Do one you? that they okay. repurposed. I mean, that's that's pretty good and pretty. I mean, that's it's definitely infamous. And it's definitely infamous. How do you feel about it without that, having read it in a while? I didn't hate it. No. I didn't. No. I, I'm not do one you, of those. I mean, yeah, go ahead. I mean, do you think you felt that way because you knew that Hal came back? Like, if that was it, if that was the end of Hal, how would you have felt? Oh, I never. Oh, I I understand. I thought you were talking about the uh, the infamous Kyle Rayner story with the girlfriend. Oh no no! I mean, yeah, that's infamous too, and that, right. That's that's a real thing, but no, that's not necessarily what I meant. Um. I wouldn't have. I, I never really liked that they made him go out like that because I I always appreciated the role that he played as a character. I always I always liked Green Lantern growing up as a kid. I didn't know much about him, but seeing how he helped Superman in the Reign of the Superman storyline and fought Mongol with a broken arm, and then you find out that he turns into like evil incarnate and destroys all. I'm like ah, and and just going back to this story, I know you you you're kind of up on time, but. I'm really happy that they didn't get rid of Wally because during this time in DC, everybody was being replaced. Batman was replaced for a bit. Wonder Woman was replaced. Green Lantern was replaced. Superman was replaced. It only was natural that they might try this. Yeah, I mean, he'd already they been did replaced it. eight years ago, though. Right? I know, but... That... And they, technically, they gave you Wally. I'm sorry, they gave you Bart. Like, they, they gave you a successor if they wanted to. That's what I mean. So it only seemed like, well, this could be interesting. So it, it was just something happening in comics, right? It was during the time of the Clone Saga. Thor had been replaced. Like everybody had someone step in. And That's true. I know that Wally had was the one to step in, but it just I'm happy they didn't go even further to be like, see, everyone's gonna get it. I'd be curious to, you know, I wonder if Brian Augustine ever got any pressure from the higher ups to be like, Hey, maybe you should get rid of Wally. Um, or maybe the book is really selling well. So they're like, you know what, don't mess with it. Like, who knows, right? Like, I'm, it's something about the internal policies at the time. Um, obviously, like, Green Lantern wasn't selling. That's, this was their big, you know, decision to, you know, kind of juice things up yeah. and get people to care about Green Lantern again. I guess the, the point is that people were caring about The Flash, and it was building. And so that's why Wade was able to last as long as he did in a tumultuous period at DC and a lot of turnover, because the book was picking up. People really liked what he was what he was doing and developing, whereas no one was really tuning into the to Green Lantern in the same way. Yeah, that's true. So should we do? Uh, I mean, it's only fitting that if you do a Wally West story, <laughs> we get into the Green Lantern Kyle Rayner end of Hal Jordan. It's kind yeah. of works. Brave and the Brave and the Bold, right? Um, yeah, let's do it. Um, okay. So 
are, are we going to just look at, at the end of, of, um, of Hal or also the beginning of Kyle or both? Let's do both. Okay. And then what's your, what's your cutoff point? Um, whatever you have. That's yeah, that's pretty much it. It's, it's, I got this trade. I don't know if you can see oh, it. It's oh, like the original. An it's an oldie. Yeah. So it's got, uh, which DC logo is on it. Is it the it's wave? got the bullet. Oh, it's the bullet. That's how you know you got an old trade. That's how, you, yeah. So I, I remember buying this when I was getting back into comics and reading Jeff John's Green Lantern. I'm like, let me go okay. and get some whatever, whatever else is available older than this. I want to read it. So I got so, issues 48 to 55. Okay, so let me ask a question. Um, what is the publication date on that? I'm gonna guess it's 2003. All right. Now this you're really sick, getting this nerdy. Scintillating audio. 2003. Woo! You get the no prize, the Stanley no prize. Well, I was pretty sure that they changed the logo in 2005, so I knew it had to be before then, and I f it felt like something that was after 2000. It's the best like, logo of DC, the bullet. But you like the bullet? And the new one's not bad. Yeah, it's grown on me. Um, I didn't like the weird pullback, the one that looked like it was. Yeah, the page turning. No. Yeah, I, I get it, but I did not ever really see it, and I didn't enjoy it. No. Yeah, I don't particularly like all of the content that comes out under the new logo, but I like it. It seems classic. Yeah, it, it looked like a combination of like, yeah, everything. Like different uh, different things in the past, which I definitely appreciated. It's interesting, interesting logo. Yeah, the bullet just it looks simple and clean. Um, when I was when I was recently going back and reading some amalgam comics, I really marveled at how they were able to combine. Marvel's logo and DC's logo into this new thing. So yeah. it had bullets, but it also had the kind of a Marvel comic style. Like you're wearing that shirt right now with that old Marvel logo. Yes. Which oh, is definitely like my favorite Marvel logo. I have a Me similar too. shirt. It's like a black one, but it has the logo on it. I love that retro logo. Like it's, if I could have 20 of these, childhood. yeah, if I could have 20 of these tees, I would. I love this t shirt. I mean, I'd steal one. Yeah. I'd, I'd I mean, I don't one. think you need 20. No, but just to have them for the rest of your life. <laughs> so. so Go ahead. Interesting question. So, I mean, that trade goes to issue 55. So that's, it's interesting because issue 55 is also a zero hour tie-in of which oh. we've just seen one. Um, so we're going to be literally in the same headspace as, um, uh, which is interesting, but you have this is building up the character and yet we're going to read something where they're at the exact same time stripping a character down and really breaking it apart. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of cool that they, they align also time-wise and publication-wise. Yeah. What we could do is... At some because you brought up amalgam, we could do uh, Marvel versus DC Universe. Yeah, oh, well, did I tell you? I, I, so when I uh, when I was on a road trip to Cleveland during Free Comic Book Day, um, Nate, my uh, my buddy, was like, "Oh, you know, I really want to get some Marvel versus DC," and I'm like, "Well, we'll see if we can find them." Like, I only have issue three. He had them when he was a kid, but he sold them, so he wasn't sure if he'd ever be able to find them. So one of the first stores we went to, actually, uh, as an aside, we went to um, it was one thirty in the morning. It's, it's officially free comic book day. I was looking at which comic book stores to go in Cleveland the next day. And I found one store that said it was open at 1.30 at night during a free comic book day event. I'm like, we got to go. I look it up. It's five minutes away. I'm like, let's get in the car. So we roll up. It's like 20 minutes to two. And uh, the lights are on. And I guess, and but the door is locked. So we're like, hey, you guys still open? They're like, oh, okay, sure. 
So they let us in. There's no one there. We get all like all of the free comic book day books we want. There's no waiting. Uh, we look around. We buy some stuff. They're really nice guys. But it was the first time we've ever had a free comic book day experience at almost two in the morning. That's cool. um, so then the next day we go to this other comic book store, which had a, a massive line out the door because Jim Shooter was there. So I was like, you know what? This just isn't going to be the day. I'm not going to meet Jim, Jim Shooter today. Maybe <laughs> some other day. So we go into the store proper. And, you know, we're looking in the back issue bins. So he's looking through some bins. I walk over to the M's. I'm like, let's see if they have Marvel versus DC. Find issues one to four. Just throw them across the stacks at him. And he thought it was a joke. And he looks at him like, how did you find these already? I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm, I don't mess around. And he's like, oh. And he was like, oh, they're, they're 60 bucks. I'm like, yeah, but it's half off. It's like 30 bucks US. Not a big deal for these four issues. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, if you don't buy them, I'm buying them like right now. Like, there's no reason not to get these. So he ended, he ended up buying them. We looked at them in the hotel room. I was so, like, I love that that period and seeing the house ads. And anyways, I was like, you know what? I need to own this. But I don't, the singles were a little expensive online to be able to get them. But I did find um, the trade paperback for, you know, 100 bucks all in. Yeah, I got that. Mine is more beaten up than yours because, uh, sadly, I noticed after I put in the bid that there was some... Uh, dings and kind of a bad folds in the on the back cover, but the interior looks fine. Uh, so I now own this Marvel goes for a hundred bucks, at least. Man, I think I got this at BMV for like ten dollars. <laughs> you broke my heart a little. I paid a hundred dollars for that. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to be like a dick. I'm just looking at it, no, and, no. and it doesn't occur to me sometimes. Like you saved. We'll wrap this up, but you saved me with the JLA Avengers book because I almost brought that with me on vacation. And you're like, no, 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 don't do that. And I'm like, why? So it's sometimes good to hear like, hey man, th these books are, are hot yeah, now. It's like, they're oh. worth something. Well, it, it, as I said before, if it's something that physically can't be reprinted or if it's a collaboration of two publishers, that's, you know, that's a, that's a special item. So one thing I'll say is that I listened to that episode with you and Dave and you mentioned that, that story. And it made me laugh so hard um, because even though it was totally accurate. So I told my son about it. I'm like, Zach, you got to come listen to this. So you're, you're telling the story and you're saying like, you know, no, you can't leave here. Like you have to stay in your room and read this. And Zach just starts laughing. He's like, dad, did you really say that? I'm like, absolutely. Like, I told him not to take it anywhere. But yeah, yeah no, I, I really appreciated that, that shout out to that story. And you telling Dave about it was just priceless. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, that's what we're here for. we got to help each other with, with our uh, goodies, right? No one else cares. I can't believe you were going to take it into fresh air somewhere with moisture in the air. Oh it would have been so ruined. Because I brought uh, my Avengers Assemble from um, Busick, the last two okay. volumes of that. And it was starting to like wave Curl. a little bit. And I'm mm -hmm. like, man, good thing I didn't bring that book. Because I wouldn't. There's no other way to even replace it. I at least you know with the Marvel stuff they'll reprint it eventually, right? With sure. this, this is like good luck finding that again. Uh, yeah, either printing, either the new printing or the old printing of Avengers versus JLA is so at silly. least two hundred bucks. Yeah, it's just this. Do it for the fans. Come on, do it for the yeah, kids. Yeah, that I was sad uh, only because like I can't pay ten times what something's worth, you know. And like I, I would like to believe that. Actually, I can't believe it. everyone's a jerk who's selling it for three hundred bucks. I'm sorry, like especially with the new version. Maybe the old version. I give you credit. Like you bought it back then, and maybe you don't want it anymore. Or you realize it's a hot item and you want to sell it. That's fine. I am less of a problem with that. If you're someone who you know they they make a very limited printing of this new version to honor George before he passed away, 
and you snag that just so you can flip that for 10 times the price, you're an opportunist asshole. Like you're like, I, I don't know why I draw that distinction, but if someone bought it 10 years ago and they're like, you know what, I don't need this anymore. And I, uh, I'd like to sell it. That to me is different because they had it for 10 years and now they want to part with it. That's fine. Cause if when you, you bought that book, I think when you bought those ones, Adam, you bought them because you were going to read it. Yeah. That's why. Whereas today this, when people are buying stuff, even with Omnibus, they're buying them to flip them. They keep them in plastic and then see when it's a hot product. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we're, we buy those collections to read them. True. So I think that's why it gets to us when people just buy it. Like you're not even reading the book. Yeah. Like I have the original singles, so I don't need the trade. But I definitely wanted it. Like I would have yeah. happily – you know, and here's the thing. Like I know if they had – and, and this is maybe part of the disconnect too, is that, you know, the publisher put it out for 30 bucks. They could have charged more. They could have charged 50. They could have charged a hundred. It would have sold. Like, I don't think, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a, it's a product that's got that a could be a market. $50 book forever and no one would bat an eyelash to it. No. And the fact is they put it for 30, very reasonably priced. And then people took advantage. And that's the part that bugs me. Now for the places where they said that all the proceeds are going to the hero initiative charity, you know what? Fine. That I'd be okay with. If I was, if I could be absolutely certain that, you know, if I give you all this money, it goes to charity, then I'm, I have no problem with it because you know what, at least it's going to a charity that George really felt strongly about. And I feel like that honors him as a creator and as a person. But if I'm just giving you money, cause you happen to be the lucky asshole who got one and now you're just trying to make a quick buck. I have less respect for you. Yeah. I feel you on that. That well, being said, I will cop to one thing. So, <laughs> I have a pre-order on two omnibuses that I don't actually think I want anymore, but I got such a great price. A part of me is like, I should I should pay this forward to someone and, and sell it for like you know, five bucks extra or whatever, because I don't want the omnibus anymore, but it's a good price. So I got a pre-order early on Extreme X-Men on Amazon and on, I think, the reprinting of the Ultimates omnibus. I thought I would want them, and now I kind of think about it, I'm like, I'm not sure. I think eventually they'll put the Extreme X-Men into complete collections, so it makes me want the Omnibus less. And I do have the Ultimates in the complete collections, so I don't need them. Um, but I got them for, like, I think 90 bucks on pre-order, and they're usually, like, 125 to 150 So part of me is like, I don't want them, per se, but I also feel like it's such a good price, I should just still buy them and then just try and find someone who will give me, like, $5 extra for my trouble um, just so that <laughs> someone can get that price because they're so stupidly priced, these omnibuses yeah. on these days in Canada, that I want someone to benefit from this. I don't want to benefit from it anymore, but I want someone to. I actually pre-ordered, and I think I canceled it, was the um, Spider-Verse omnibus. I got it for, like, oh, 80, yeah. 80 bucks pre-order, oh. and I'm – and I don't want to read the rest of the material in it because I have the Spider-Verse hardcover and it's the story mm-hmm. I want. So I'd be like, I'd just be buying something I already have. Yeah. So I, I, But to your point, like that's not a bad idea. If you see something like, you know what, I'll sell it to somebody who wants it. Here's five bucks more. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's a gift yeah, to you in a way. Gouge, I don't yeah. want to be an asshole. Like, I just, you know, I, it's just such a good price. I want someone to enjoy it. Um, Last thing I'll say about omnibuses, I, uh, I pulled him, I pulled an Adam, which I used to call a Nate, um, waiting too long. Um, so for a long time, I wanted to get uh, What If, uh, the original series, Volume 2, and it was like 145, then it was 128, and I was like, ah, I don't know, it's still a lot. Then it was like 125, then it was 124, then because it's on Amazon and things don't make sense, it went back up to 146 for a while, and then it was down to like 106. And this is the, this is the sad part to me. So I wanted to buy it. It was like Friday. 
but I was I didn't want my wife to see me getting another omnibus. So I was nah. like, I, I want to order it on Sunday so it'll come on Monday when she's not home. I go to order it Sunday, uh, it went up to $145 again. That like is hilarious. And I'm like, and, and it didn't give me the option to get slower shipping. Like it just, I just wanted it slower and I was just going to wait an extra day or two. And instead I, I went up by 40 bucks. I'm like, I can't do it. And then it, it went back down to 125 and then it went right back up to 145 And I'm like, I guess I'm just waiting till it gets back down to 106 again. And actually right. similar, I didn't put a pre-order in on the Silver Surfer Omnibus by slot. Oh. Because I do have it in singles in the in the, in the small. They category. had it for like seventy five dollars. It was yeah, so and now low. It's, and now it and now it's not. And <sighs> again, that one I should have probably gotten it, but I don't yeah. need it. I don't need it. But I have it's it so in good. smaller trades, right? Like yeah, so do right? I. But it's it's the one. It was the one omnibus that had come out that I had wish I had gotten. This was even before I had started really collecting them. And I said, mm. damn it, I wish I had that book because I like. I liked it so much, and uh, I said one day if it ever comes back out, I have to get it no matter what. And I happily pre-ordered it for a good price. I'm very pleased. But uh, the one I got my eye on now is Thunderbolts. I'm waiting for that to drop. It's it's gone down to like 142, right? Like that's yeah. pretty decent. It's okay. Eight percent. It's eight percent. <laughs> I, uh. I need at least taxes. Come on. To the I mean, guy who reminds me once upon a time, omnibuses were all $90, <laughs> and I bought them all. <laughs> I mean, first of all, yeah, I remember I got some of these omnibuses for like 68 bucks. It was the, the Halcyon days. Now it's double that. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's going to really slow down what I'm able to get because you just, they're releasing so much, mm-hmm. and... It's almost like everything's gonna become an omnibus at some point in time. So pick pick which ones you want wisely. True. Now, um, as we speak, we're recording this on what Thursday the ninth. Did you watch Near Mint Conditions' big uh, announcement video today on all the new epics? No, but I saw Curtis post a bunch of pictures about it. So what are your? Do you, are there any that piqued your interest? <sighs> to be honest, from his photos, no. I didn't see anything that jumped out to me that I'm like, oh, they're making that, but maybe I missed something. That's there the was, other thing too. There was a couple for me. There was uh, Amazing Spider-Man 23, which is the hero killers, which is the kind of missing volume right now in the middle of Bakley's run, um, which they hadn't published yet, which includes the first appearance of Carnage. So that's a huge one for me. Um, they're reprinting a bunch. They're reprinting Ant-Man. They're reprinting Daredevil. Um, Silver uh, Surfer. Sorry to interrupt. The Silver Surfer one. That one I'm interested in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they have Ant Man and Giant Man uh, Volume Two, which I'm just surprised they're actually doing that. Uh, Avengers uh, 19, which is the uh, Axe of Vengeance, is coming out. Um, the one that's actually making me rethink things is <laughs> the X Men Epic Volume 22. I don't feel like I need to have all the X Men epics. However, part of me is like, well, if it's just the 90s. X-Men, I'd kind of be okay with having that in the collection. I have Skinning of Souls, which is an older trade paperback now. It's all reprinted in this new volume, um, which is basically the one that comes right after Execution of Song. So that's kind of making me take a hard look at myself um, and, and say like, well, maybe maybe we get these ones. Like Maybe there have been two that come out so far. There's two that have now been solicited total that come after it. Maybe I get modern X-Men. Um, 
I say modern. It's still 30 years old. But Right, uh, right. <laughs> that's that's my thought. And then there's, uh, let's see, there's Namor the Submariner Volume 3. Uh, they're reprinting uh, Amazing Spider-Man 4, Doctor Strange 8. Uh, they have the Carnage vol- <laughs> Epic Collection Volume 2, which is a weird grab bag. Uh, you got Daredevil number 6, which I'll get. Um, I think this one is in your wheelhouse. Are you getting FF, like, in the mid-300s, like Engelhart? No, no, I'm not. But I do have my eye on the Iron Man Doom. Because it's a... Oh, yeah. It's a, I'm missing that one in my little run there. Okay, yeah. You did, so this is the reprinting. Yes. So that one I'll probably add to the collection because it'll fill in the gap, I think, between... Um, Return of the Ghost and War Games. I'm missing something in between there. Yeah. I'm what I'm actually a little bit happy for, this is gonna sound weird, but I'm actually a little happy that I'm only buying like a couple in that month <laughs> in that like three or four month span because there's been times where it's just like, well, that's another one, that's another one, that's another one. And the fact that I think I'm only looking at getting what, one if I get two if I get X Men and then three because I get Iron, no, sorry, not even Iron Man. I think it's just oh, the Daredevil I'm getting. So I think I'm only getting three epics in that kind of three or four month period, which is kind of nice that yeah, it's not not too much. Yeah, I think I might. I'll probably get that Spider Man to fill in a gap there because I don't have those. I don't think collected in anything. Um, the Hero Killers. That's volume twenty three. Which one? Okay, that's different from the um, Round Robin, right? It's right, right after right. Round Robin. Okay, yeah. So, um, one trade that, or sorry, omnibus that keeps getting pushed back and breaks my heart because I'm so excited to buy it. And I think it was supposed to come out like last year. Um, is the What If Into the Multiverse omnibus, which is the second What If series, um, which is the one I remember more and really loved as a kid. And that one's been pushed back to like next April. Um, and Amazon still has it for like 155, so I won't put, pull the trigger on it until it goes down. But um, that's the one that just breaks my heart that it keeps getting pushed back. Yeah, I look at I look at my pre-order list sometimes, thinking of stuff that gets pushed back. And and this past year, there was a bunch of things that I had written down on the calendar. They were all spread out. I knew what was coming. Then all, they boom, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I was like, geez. And you look like you're just shopping all the time on Amazon, like you said. Like your wife is like saying to yourself, "How many books you got coming?" It's like this was ordered in July, August, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to have been come out or. Everything, the dates are all messed up. So please, just oh, yeah. know that I'm not being an asshole on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I might be. You don't know. Yeah, that too. I'm, I'm sending some of these things mailed to, to Adam Chapman's house and making oh, his God. wife get mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand that anecdote because I've thought the exact... There's been times where I'm like, I'll order it tomorrow because then I'll be the one to pick it up. Well, it's not even like it was just going to be like another package. It was the fact that it was a fucking omnibus. Yeah. Like, and so actually, it's funny story about Thunderbolts. Um, so I ordered it, and I was like, "Oh, it's going to come Thursday. Perfect." Kelly's at the office on Thursday. That's <laughs> awesome. And then I get a notification at like nine oh five. It's arrived, and I'm like, "She had, was just leaving for work," uh... and I was, I'd already left. Like I was with the kids. I was taking the kids to to daycare, and I'm like, "Fuck!" Like if it just come like an hour later, it would have just been sitting outside. And part of me thought it was. I come home, it's inside. I'm like, no! And it's a conversation piece. I know, right? Well, like, I mean, she'll just know that there's this big package. What was right. in the big package? Nothing. Right, right, right. I feel you. Yeah. Well, Chapman, until next time, this has been fun. Next time we'll I be Green like Lantern. Some, somewhere, somewhere in this last hour and a half, we have talked about Flash. We have. 
But that's the point of these. Com- we we talked a lot about Flash actually. But I like this is the thing I like talking about the book and the story and and all the aspects of it without giving it away, but wanting to get people to actually read it. Because mm. if you give away all the point, what did you think when this happened, and what did you think of the re- like? That's fun. Those things are good to read along with, but I also want people to read it. Like, let's talk about it to whet the appetite. That's true. Yeah, right. we talked about what it, what it meant, why it matters. Um, I guess those are kind of the, the big ones, right? Like, why would you read this? Uh, why, you know, what does it mean? Um, what does it matter for other things you may have read? Like, again, this is the genesis of so many concepts. So if you want to see the birth, it sounds weird to say, but, like, you know, come gawk at the birth here. It's true. Um, next time we're going to look at the death and birth. Very good point. I like that. Uh, when's your next episode up? Where can people find your podcast? Uh, well, I mean, we're recording this on the 9th, so I'm, I'm hoping there will be episodes up on the 9th, 10th, and 11th because I'm trying to catch up. Um, so at least one of those will be a reviews episode, and the other one will be a conversation with Michael Yuri. And I think the other one, I might um, just kind of have a random comic talk episode talking about complete collections. Um, how, you know, they started off you know, being few and far between. And now it comes to the point where there's like hundreds of them. So I think, I think I might be talking about complete collections for a bit. Sounds good. Thank you, my friend looking forward Absolutely. to the next, the next book of the month club. Thank you everybody yeah. for listening. At, at some point when we do these book of the months, it'll be, I will no longer be a host of comic shenanigans. I'll be former host of comic shenanigans. And uh, then you'll be able to see their tears as they <laughs> manifest on my face. And I'll, I'll just look so sad and lost. You'll be one of the team members of the Cave of Solitude. Don't worry. Sounds good. I asked my son today. I'm like, so Zach, Cave of Solitude. First of all, I mentioned I was going to be on a podcast. And my wife, because she remembers how I made fun of her years ago and told her to enunciate, she was like, Zach, he's going on the Cave of Solitude podcast. (laughs) I'm like, you asshole. And I'm like, Zach, do you know what that refers to? And he's like, well, it's Superman, right? The Fortress of Solitude. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what about the other one? It's like, I don't know. It's like, well, who else works in a cave? Oh, it's Batman. I'm like, oh, it's Batman. Come on. <laughs> it's a great title. Oh, thank you, Adam, for uh, actually giving me credit for the name. Because Ron Friends wasn't a fan. No? <laughs> no, he was like, it's so lonely. Why would you make it such a lonely place? Yeah, but you bring people into the Cave of Solitude. That's the thing. It's got the, the weakest security system. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes and Book of the Month Clubs. We will be back soon.